Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's interview with Adam Glassifer, Chief Innovation Officer and Associate Medical Director of Informatics with Virtua Health. In this segment, Dr. Glassifer talks about the concerns that need to be addressed as remote patient monitoring continues to ramp up, how his team is leveraging analytics to predict key factors such as ED admissions and deterioration of a patient's condition, and how they're working toward the ultimate goal of delivering clinical decision support at the point of care. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR, Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare. See your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. And now looking at digital health, aside from telemedicine, there are ways that technology is being leveraged to improve the experience, improve engagement. And can you talk about some of the other initiatives happening there? Yeah, so in our digital health world right now, we're trying to scale up some of our remote patient monitoring options. So for example, right now, we've launched a program in conjunction with our pulmonary doctors and our emergency departments where specific patients are being discharged to home with a pulse oximeter. And what a pulse oximeter does is it measures oxygen levels in the blood by attaching a clip to your finger. So in doing that, we can monitor their clinical progress from afar. Mm -hmm. And that's just one example of a number of different tools that we've been investigating over the years. And now we're looking to figure out ways that we can put them out there to help both sides of this equation. So patients and clinicians. Yeah. That's something where I would think that as a doctor, as a clinician, that it's really kind of gratifying to see this get that, that boost, things like remote monitoring. For me, it is. I still do a clinical shift every Tuesday. I work in one of our pediatric emergency departments. Aside from I enjoy it, part of it is it maintains my street cred, so to speak. So right, right. when I'm pitching things to our providers and our medical staff, I'm doing the same job that they are, and I know the challenges that come with it. And one of the things we've always heard over the years with uh, remote patient monitoring platforms is providers are worried about the data that's coming in. Are they responsible for it? Are they liable for it? Who's managing that? And those are legitimate concerns because without those processes in place, you're just getting numbers dumped into the system which really, frankly, is a bit of a risk for both a patient and a clinician. So I think we're starting to see more understanding and more formalization around these processes and more acceptance ultimately because of those things. Right. And in terms of digital health engagement, is this something where we also could be seeing a bit of a boost during this situation, whether it's taking place at home or even in hospitals? Are you asking specifically for current state or future state or or really for both? Really both, but I guess starting with current. Yeah, I mean, so for current state, I mean, the situation obviously has has boosted these things and Mm -hmm. the adoption. A lot of what we're seeing now is questions of what's going to happen when we resume standard processes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone knows the answer to that, but I don't think we are going to go back to the same ways that we previously delivered care. 
And I think that these are examples of tools that would become more widely adopted because mm-hmm. of this. So, you know, there are very few silver linings um, in what's going on around us right now. But I think for healthcare and healthcare technology, this has rapidly raised the bar in a way that many organizations were ready for, and, and unfortunately, some were not. I think fortunately for Virtua, our senior leadership had the, the foresight to invest the time in a lot of these things and not give up on them, despite not having widespread success. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting that this pandemic, among so many other things, has highlighted how poised for innovation some organizations are, but then also it's really exposed some gaps and and weaknesses. And I guess we can hope going forward that the organizations that, that weren't where they need to be will kind of prioritize things like that. Yeah, and, and it is worth pointing out, I mean, we are fortunate in that we are a successful organization. I mean, not every health system financially is able to really invest in those areas. And that's why I think you're seeing more, more and more partnerships in healthcare organizations, because I, I think those smaller systems are realizing that these are necessary tools, certainly for now, but also in the future. Right. And for your own organization, how do you think it will be possible to kind of keep up that momentum? I mean, we talked about the curves and there are so many question marks as to what will happen going forward, but do you think it'll really be a priority to try to keep up the momentum that's been gained through areas like remote monitoring and telehealth? Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you for a fact that it is a priority. I mean, we're, we're having meetings right now about internally about how are we going to reactivate things when we're ready. And Mm -hmm. digital health, remote patient monitoring, those are 100% parts of the plan. So to your point, yeah, I think that they are going to be critical parts of operational plans moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, going back to a previous point, I mean, if they weren't previously, certainly this has underscored the, the need for those organizations that were a little behind the curve. Right. And you mentioned before briefly about some of the artificial intelligence algorithms. And and can you talk about some of the things that you're doing there or what you found in that realm? Yes. So this is something that is a project that we started through the Center for Innovation. And we are a health system that uses the Epic platform. We contracted either late last year, very early this year to start using their cognitive uh, computing tools and using their cloud services in order to do that. And fortunately, we had started working on a couple models before all of this hit. So for example, one model that's currently live is uh, likelihood of hospitalization or ED visit. So for example, you know, when a patient comes into one of our ambulatory practices, we're using an advanced model that's telling us based on a variety of factors, what is the likelihood that this patient is going to end up in the hospital or end up in one of our emergency rooms? And that way we can not necessarily treat them differently than we would other patients, but we know that we need to keep a closer eye on them and, and ensure their follow-up. Similarly, we have another model that we're working on right now that is called ED likelihood of admission. And essentially what that does is, so if you're in one of our emergency departments, once you get triage, we are able to take in your history, your vitals, everything that's within your record. And it tells us what is the likelihood that we're going to have to admit you to the hospital based on all of that. Mm 
And that's helpful because that can help us streamline the process and, and free up beds and, you know, better use resources and really know where to to direct our attention. Lastly, a third model that we're working on currently is something called the deterioration index. And that is something that we are working on as a joint effort with Epic directly and our IT team. And essentially that is a model which shows patients that are already in the hospital, what the likelihood of them clinically decompensating is. And they've seen some really good results with this model and some really good results specific to uh, COVID-19 with this model as well. So we are excited and fortunately had a little bit of experience ahead of us in building these models out to put us in a position to be able to use this. That's really fascinating. This is, of course, another area where the potential has been there for a long time and there are barriers, of course, but I would think that this is something that's just really exciting and and holds just a ton of potential. Yeah, I mean, for me, the greatest tools for clinicians is if I can find ways to integrate technology that delivers clinical decision support to the point of care when they Mm -hmm. need. And ultimately, that's what these tools do. And the point I always make when discussing that also is it needs to be actionable, right? So that we're providing data when they need it, where they need it, and also making it actionable data. So there are processes in place that say, look, this is the data point that you got, and this is what you can do with it, and this is what you should do with it. Mm -hmm. So much infrastructure has been put into place to allow this to happen, and I'm sure that on your end, Virtua has, has been putting the pieces in place and starting with that integrated record. Yeah. And actually, this is another example of something that it was already on our roadmap. Fortunate for us, we had a foot in the water before COVID-19 hit. So, Really interesting. Okay. So one of the, the um, last things I wanted to talk about is the challenges that lie ahead as, as organizations are at different phases of reopening as far as elective surgeries, things like that. And can, can you just give some perspective on what really are, are the key challenges there? Yeah, there are many challenges, but I think okay. for organizations, it's responsibly reactivating their health systems, which I can tell you for a fact, Virtua is, is doing in a very, very thoughtful and careful manner. But at the same time, thinking about the hesitancy on the part of our patients. So I, mm-hmm. I think one of the big challenges coming out of this is people are afraid, right? People are afraid to go out, let alone to go out for medical care. But what we know as a health system is if we don't get these patients the care that they need, they're not going to have good outcomes. So how can we, how can we reconcile that in a way that we're doing our jobs responsibly and making them feel comfortable about what it is that they need to get done? So it really is going to be a balance, but something, again, that we're already uh, working on. Right. And just the fact that this hasn't been done on this type of level as far as uh, canceling elective surgery. So I, I suppose the good part is that other organizations are going through the same thing and there's that potential to be able to uh, reach out, compare notes and uh, work together to, to figure out the best roadmap. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is an example of, again, going back to that innovative spirit of just keeping your eyes and ears open. Because in this example, realistically, no one has the answer. That this is never, this is unprecedented. Yeah. So nothing like this has ever happened before. So we can only look around and see what models are working and what models aren't. And at the same time, look internally and make sure that what it is that we're doing is working. And if it's not, adapting it. So they are interesting times. This is something that no one has seen in their lifetime, that, that hopefully we don't see anything of this scale again in our lifetime, but it, it will change how the world operates in general and, and certainly healthcare. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.